Hi, welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he is doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. If you're ready, somebody say, yeah. You know, this verse is in the Bible, but for some reason I feel like Fred Hammond wrote this verse because I heard this verse more from Fred Hammond than I hear from the Bible. But anyway, I got to do like the Fred Hammond album. And at midnight, Paul and Silas, (laughs) Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. So Paul and Silas were in prison singing. Boy, that's a little different. (laughs) And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awakened from sleep and seeing the prison door open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And here's why, because it was his job to keep the prisoners. And it was the custom of that time, if you lose the prisoners, you lose your head. So he's like, I ain't gonna let them kill me. I'ma just do it myself, cause I'ma be a little bit nicer to me. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Now you guys know I kinda harp on this. Sometimes we read Bible verses and we skip over things. They're worshiping God, the doors of the prison open, their chains fall off and they stay? I'm sorry, y'all. I'm gone. This was a miracle. This was my miracle. God moved on my behalf and I'm moving up out of this prison. No, they stayed. He said, not only Paul, Paul said, we're all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, What must I do to be saved? I don't care. I'm still running. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful that you are the everlasting, that you are the beginning, you are the end, and you are the right now in this room with us, God. You are taking every step with us. So God, in this moment, we give you the honor. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. We pour out our worship on you. Father, we decree that we're standing in the midst of miracles right now. We say, have your way in our lives. God, I pray that you would forgive me for wearing these Pittsburgh Steelers colors. But God, the Ravens really need you tonight, God. If you can come through. We win tonight, we win the Super Bowl, God. It's that simple. So no pressure, but we're grateful in advance. Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Before you sit down, can you high five two people and tell somebody, I heard you singing. Come on, tell somebody, I heard you, I heard you. I heard you, I heard you, I heard you. I heard you sing it. I missed you guys last week, but y'all didn't miss me because I was kind of here preaching, which was all the way cool. I heard there was 
awesome uh, uh, responses from that. I was actually in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, preaching at a phenomenal church called the Belonging Co. They had me there preaching like all Sunday, and then I had off Monday, and I was preaching Tuesday, and I was just like, man, I'm ready to go home. But I encourage you guys, uh, you may not know this, but if I'm not here, I'm normally on the road uh, preaching and traveling, and I encourage you guys really to pray for me, especially over this month of November. I'm going to be in like eight different cities in the next three weeks. Somebody say, help him, Jesus. I'm off to St. Louis tomorrow, then Baton Rouge on Tuesday, and then Oklahoma on Thursday, and then I'll be back in Maryland next Sunday, and just kind of moving, 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 moving in this season. I'm actually going to Nigeria, which is, that's going to be nuts. I'm preaching at a conference in, is it Lagos? No, Lagos is the American way of saying. They told me that that's how Americans say it, but when you get there, they say like Lagos or something like that. So Lagos, thank you. You would know. I appreciate it. I told everybody enough that I'm a Nigerian pastor because like half the church is Nigerian. So they finally believed me and took me down there. Hey, we're concluding a series today called What's In It For what's in it for me. And, and, and you may not realize this, but one of my goals as a pastor is to set an example, not just with my preaching, but with my lifestyle, that if you were to follow me, that you would maximize all that God has for you here on earth, and then that you would spend eternity in heaven with many rewards. Somebody say amen. amen. Paul said it this way. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. There's this phrase, however, that goes around sometimes that, 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 that I don't really like, and it's the phrase, it goes without saying. You know, you may be at work, and, and somebody may give you some instruction. Like, well, I mean, it goes without saying that you need to do this tomorrow. Or, or it goes without saying this, or it goes without saying that, or whatever it may be. And I've realized that we've sometimes gone without saying for so long that it's been forgotten. And that it actually needs to be said. And, and the heart behind this series is that there's some things that have gone without saying for a little bit too long that we need to say. Things like, for example, when you take of your time and of your effort and you serve in the house of God, that there's a blessing that comes on your life. That God literally said, when you make your focus building his house, he will build yours. It goes without saying that there's extra favor, there's extra blessings on people who live a set apart life. God loves everybody, but he does not use everybody. God loves everybody, but he does not promote everybody. He looks for people that are an example of him so that he can use you as a witness to the world of this is what it looks like when people walk in order and walk in line with God's perfect will for their lives. Somebody say amen. As we conclude this message, today I want to preach a message. It goes without saying that there is an extra blessing on those who worship. That there's actually an extra favor, that doors open, that God moves, particularly in people's lives, that, that make it a lifestyle, that make it a practice to worship, to, to exalt God. There's many different words that are, are used for worship, but, but one of those words, worship, literally means to lay prostrate before or to bow, or to humble oneself. And, and worship is simply this, it's highlighting or lifting up the value of something. So, so as I'm at a football game and I'm screaming and I'm shouting, I'm like, go, I'm actually worshiping. 
I'm lifting up the value of God's team, the Baltimore Ravens. And express, he's preaching good already, I'm just telling you right now. And explaining to the world that there's only one, and that's the purple and black. Well, for those of us who make a decision that we're going to worship God, that we're going to lift him up, there's actually a blessing, there's actually a favor, there's something that comes on our lives that's different if we kind of just go about our business and miss this aspect of our lives. And I dare say, not just worship on Sunday for 65 minutes, but make worship a part of our lifestyle. In this passage that we're reading, in Acts chapter 16, there was the Apostle Paul and Silas, and they were going around, and they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were letting people know that no longer is perfection the standard for eternity. No longer do you have to try to keep every law. No longer do you have to have this expectation of yourselves that you can't make any mistakes. And the second you make a mistake, you've disqualified yourself from a relationship with God. No, now a relationship with God is not based on your performance, but it's based on what he has already done on the cross. It's based on you accepting the price that he paid to purchase your freedom. Somebody say amen. Well, there was a young slave girl that was following them around as they were preaching, and she was demon-possessed. And through the demon that possessed her, she was able to prophesy or, or to predict people's future. And her master, they would make money off of her. They would use her to predict people's future, and then they would charge them for it. This was Sister Cleo before Sister Cleo was Sister Cleo. Call me now. All my 90s babies know about Sister Cleo. I think she was locked up by 2000. (laughs) But it says that this girl was following Paul and Silas around and, and she was predicting their future to the point where Paul got irritated and he turned around and he said, be free in the name of Jesus. And in that moment, the demon left her. The girl came back to her right now and she was set free. The only problem is the village wasn't happy about it. Because they were using her bondage for their benefit. They were making money off of her dysfunction. And the second she got free, they were no longer able to benefit from her bondage. So they whipped Paul and Silas and they threw them into prison. This is not part of my message, but I couldn't skip by this. Not everybody's happy about your freedom. Not everybody's happy about your progress. Not everybody's happy about the new you. Not everybody is happy about you becoming all that God has called you to become. And I have a short little sermonette for the people-pleasing people in this room. You're going to have to get over that because if you're concerned about the pleasure of other people, you're going to miss the progress that God has for you. Because some people benefit from your bondage. You see, because when you're free, you're not as easy to manipulate. You see, when you're free, you don't make me feel as good about my dysfunction as I once did. Sometimes people like to be around dysfunctional people just to feel better about themselves. And I got bad news for you. You used to be that person. But as you stepped into Christ and you found freedom and you found wholeness and God brought you back to who he originally made you to be, you were transformed. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new person. The old you has gone and you've become brand new. So just like they began to whip Paul and Silas, you will be whipped for your progress. 
but not necessarily whipped with canes and lashes, but more like whipped with words. Like you think you're better than us now. You've forgotten where you've come from. You forgot how much we've done. I haven't forgotten. I've just transformed. I've changed. I've been set free. I'm a new person. Feel free to come with, but I'm not going back. They were upset that this girl had found freedom. So they took Paul and they took Silas and they threw them into prison. I have a question for you. What do you do when doing right sets you back? What do you do when living God's way doesn't take you five steps forward, it takes you five steps backwards, and it causes pain in your life? There's this, this, this message that's being preached that is not biblical, and that is that when you follow Jesus, all your problems will go away. I have some bad news for you. Following Jesus will bring problems that you've never had to deal with before in your life. Because when you were not a follower of Christ, when you were an unbeliever, when you were living ratchet, you were on Satan's side. You were walking in the same direction as him. He wasn't your adversary because y'all were buddy-buddy doing it together. That's a little harsh, right? But all of a sudden, when you decide, I'm going to live a set-apart life unto God, I'm not a preacher, I don't want to start no church, I don't want to do no ministry, I don't got no beef with Satan, I got nothing. You don't understand, just your existence as a child of God is a witness. The Bible says that you are a light on top of a hill showing the world what it looks like to be redeemed and belong to God. Sometimes following God doesn't move you forward, it moves you backwards. Sometimes following God causes you to lose the things that you wanted the most. But remember, God says anything that you lose or give up for my sake, I will give it back to you, not in heaven, here on earth, a hundred times more, and with that eternal life. That's why it is so dangerous to judge life by the moment. Because you don't know, am I in a sowing moment or am I in a reaping moment? Is this the moment that I'm going through a season of discomfort, a season of setback, which looks like setback, but it's really a set up for what God desires to do in my life? So here is Paul and Silas beaten and bruised in prison for doing the right thing. And they're caught in that moment worshiping, singing songs and hymns unto God, praying unto God. If you track back in your Bible a few chapters, we're in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 12 is when James, the brother of Jesus, one of the leaders of the church, was arrested for preaching just like Paul and Silas. And the next morning after he was arrested, they cut his head off. It says that the entire village celebrated because what they believed to be a false prophet had been executed and the king went out and he arrested Peter afterwards. So here is Paul and Silas, not just in prison for doing what's right, but understanding that it could get a whole lot worse. That I'm actually maybe closer to Jesus than I, than I actually intended on being at this season in my life. You know, we talk about heaven and heaven's a great place. I just ain't fitting to go there anytime soon. <laughs> I'm ready to go there like later, God, right? Not right now. What I want to do in, in, in this moment is kind of help you figure out and to learn how to turn any environment into your good. See, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, for we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, 
to those who are called according to his purpose or those who walk according to his purpose, one translation says. So it says, hey, all things work together for good. As long as I love God and I'm called and I'm walking according to his purpose, I want to teach you how to make sure that you stay in the position of the loved and the ones that are called according to his purpose. And I'm telling you, your first step and your most important step is to be a man, to be a woman of worship. Because worship shifts things. Worship changes things. Worship changes your situation. So I just wanna finish this sentence three times and we're gonna land this plane. When I worship, this is the first blank, when I worship, I realize that it's not all about me. When I worship, I realize that it's not all about me. In the Old Testament, Solomon, after had received all of the, the money and the wealth from his father David and was given an instruction to build a church, to build a temple for God. And it says that Solomon took years and years and years and built this temple and made it one of the most unique, significant, detail-oriented structures you have ever seen in your life. And when this temple was finished, he brought the entire nation and all the musicians and the choir. I'm sure Kirk Franklin was there and all these other people. And it was time to worship. And look what happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13. It said, indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praise and in thanksgiving to the Lord. And when they had lifted their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, here's what they said, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord, watch this, it was filled with a cloud. So for those of you that are offended by all the smoke in the room right now, you have to understand this is biblical. This is not a smoke machine. This is the Shekinah glory of the Lord. This is God. <laughs> Why the smoke? We can't see the lights without the smoke, so that's the smoke. But it's biblical. There was so much smoke in the temple, or cloud, that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Yeah. So the people began to worship and said, for the Lord is good and, and his mercy endures forever. And here's what happened when they worshiped. God showed up. Yeah. You ever been talking about somebody and they weren't there? And, and you, you, you were Christians. We don't gossip. We just talk. <laughs> Come on now. You got to learn to spin it to a godly way. You, you ever had, you were talking about somebody, not necessarily in a bad way, but not necessarily the way you would talk about them if they were in the room and then they walked in. You, you, you ever been there? You, you ever walked in a room and felt like they were talking about you because they looked a little bit too surprised that you walked in? Ha <laughs> ha, hey, 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 <laughs> And then they say, your ears must have been itching. I was just talking about you. Really, what were you saying? I feel like that's what happens sometimes when we worship. That we don't realize that worship is not a moment in service. Worship is not that time when you turn music on in your car, the red light, you think nobody can see you because your windows are tinted. You got 35%, we can see in your car. 
It's not the moment that you're screaming at the top of your lungs in the shower doing runs that you have no business doing, but there's something about the shower that's like perfect auto-tune and you think you sound amazing. (laughs) Worship is like dialing a phone with God on the other side. The only thing is some of you call people and they send you to voicemail. Worship is a number to God that he never declines, that he never texts us back saying, I'm busy, I'll hit you in a moment. Worship is a direct line, a direct access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Here's the only thing, he doesn't pick up the phone, he walks into the room. The Bible says in Psalm 22, three, but thou art holy, but thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now, I have no clue why I decided to read this verse in the King James Version. I never use the King James Version. It feels like I'm talking in tongues in the middle of this message, but I did it just for that word, inhabitus. Because other translations says he enthroned, he sits on, or no, 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 no. He steps into. There's something when I begin to worship God where God himself steps into the room. He steps into my car. The Bible says that the cloud that is glory fills the temple. And if you remember from scripture, the Bible said that you is the temple of the most high God. That God begins to fill your life with worship. It says that the glory of the Lord shows up. That word glory is the word kabod which means weight or essence or riches. There's something about worship where God shows up in a tangible way. And there's something about God showing up that gives us proper perspective. I don't know about you, but I I have a very... Um, obsessive personality. When I get locked on something, I'm just locked in. My wife was looking at me through the window last yesterday. I was outside and uh, had a flat tire on my car and I was trying to change the flat tire and then somebody called so I couldn't finish up the tire. So I'm on the phone and I'm walking around outside and I'm just walking and, and I noticed that there was a weed that was growing in the garden. So I grabbed that weed and I'm on the phone and then there was another weed and I grabbed that weed and grabbed that weed and about an hour, it's like one hour later. (laughs) I have like a pile of weeds here and I'm on my knees and I'm pulling weeds. Phone call has been over for like 35. My wife's like, what are you doing? Like, I'm sorry, I just got focused on this one weed and I saw another one and before you know it, it was the consumption of my entire life. Do you know somehow we get consumed on things? And oftentimes we get consumed on the biggest problem that we're facing right now. We're consumed on how to make more money or how to get this promotion or how to nail this contract or whatever it may be. We're consumed on how to fix this relationship or how to do this or how to do that or something that we're trying to figure out. And without even realizing it, our consumption in that thing brings our entire universe to that place, to that altitude. So our life is on the level of our problem. The only thing is the Bible says in Ephesians that God created you to be seated in heavenly places. God didn't design you, sorry cameraman, I'm gonna disappear. God didn't design you to live life down here. Because here's what happens when you you go, I'm I'm having fun today. (laughs) You can tell I've had a little bit of break. When, when When you're down here, Nobody can see you. 
I mean, Alvin can see me. Only problem is, what if Alvin's my problem? <laughs> You're not my problem. I love you, man. But the only thing that I can see is my problem. And if my solution is in the back of the room, there's all these problems that are in my way that I can't see my solution. So even though the solution is within feet of me, it's so blocked by everything that's going on in life, I feel hopeless because my vision is blurred. But all of a sudden, when I begin to worship, please don't rip my pants. All right, here we go. <laughs> Skinny jean preacher, all right. All of a sudden, when I get my eyes locked on the one who is to come, when I get my eyes locked on the one who was before the problem began and exists after the problem ends, I get proper perspective and I realize, hear me, hear me, hear me, your problem is not big as you think it is. I, it's cancer. I get it. But he's Jesus. It's depression. I understand. But he's Jesus heard it said before, so often in our prayer time, we spend more time telling our God about our problem instead of telling our problem about our God. There's something about worship that flips my perspective and helps me realize that the God that I serve is greater than anything that I can face in my life. There's this song, a hymn, called It Is Well. You guys know that hymn? It, it, it was written actually by a businessman named Horatio Spafford. And Horatio is probably a modern day Job to the level of tragedy that he had gone through. He lived in Chicago and, and, and had a business there and had four children and a wife and, 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 and his business was burned to the ground during the Chicago fires. Not only was his business burned to the ground, but his two-year-old son actually passed away at the age of two. And after losing his business and losing his son here in the States, he just decided that, 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 that this was not the place where he wanted to live anymore, and, and he decided to move his family to the UK. And right before they were getting ready to sail over to the UK, something came up in his business, so he had to stay behind to kind of tie up some loose ends. So he sent his wife and his daughters across the sea, and, and he stayed back to tie up some loose ends and to follow them later on. Well, as the story goes, and they were sailing across the Atlantic, and, and without even realizing it, the ship that they were in collided with another ship and sank in the Atlantic Ocean. His wife survived, but he lost his four daughters in that shipwreck. And his wife writes him a letter, I've made it, but we've, we've lost our children. Can you imagine the heartache? Can you imagine the tragedy? And he gets in his ship and he sails across the Atlantic to rejoin his wife. And as he is crossing the exact place where they believe the ship with his daughters in went down, he pens the words to this hymn. And here's what he writes as he sails over the place, the exact location of the greatest tragedy he ever encountered. He said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like a sea billows roll. You have to... He's writing this over the sea of his sorrow. 
Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. For some reason, there's something about worship that in the midst of every tragedy, every setback, every difficulty, it gives me a perspective that no matter what I'm going through, God is in this moment with me. And if he is with me, he is for me. And it won't end in sorrow. It won't end in setback. It won't end in loss. It is well with my soul. Some of you may know, some of you may not know, but my mother actually passed away uh, six years ago after battling cancer for 15 years. It was 100% a miracle because the doctors gave her three months to live. She went on to live for another 15 years. The night uh, that she passed away, and if, if you have a loved one that's passed or whatever it may be, you're going to find out that, that I am a little bit irreverent. You're going you're to survive this, though. <laughs> but we were, we were at a hospice, and, and hospice is where they take you, where, where they're trying to help you have the most peaceful uh, end. And me and my brothers, we have this little joke, don't ever take us to hospice. Like, leave me in the streets. I ain't going to hospice. Because if you work at hospice, God bless you, but I ain't going. Just, I ain't going. <laughs> So we go and, and, and we're there and we, and we say goodbye to our mom and, and, and there's not much that we can do and, and my dad just wanted kind of time alone. So we were just like, hey, what are we going to do? Well, y'all, it was a Sunday night and Catalyst was going on. So me and, and my two brothers and my two sisters, we pack up in the car and we drive to the church. Somebody else was preaching. The worship team was going on and we slip into the back of Catalyst. We hadn't told the church anything. Nobody had known that she had passed that night. And, and we stood in the back of the room with tears streaming down our face, just worshiping. And I believe with all my heart that that is why to this day there's not an anger towards God. There's not a bitterness. There's not a how could you or why did you or whatever it may be because we took our darkest sorrow into the only place that we could find hope, can find peace, and actually says it is well with our soul. And there's something about being in the presence of eternity that you realize that all pain, no matter how hard it is, it's always temporary. That there is a promise on the other side. Second thing is this. When I worship, my environment changes. When I worship, my environment... Worship changes my situation. The Bible says this in Psalm 77, verse 14. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. Like when I worship, God shows up. And hear me, God never shows up without doing miracles. It's, it's, it's impossible. It's like if you've ever seen the Fantastic Four and they have the guy in there, thing, and he's just super strong and he's always breaking things because he's always too strong for the environment that he's in. You have to understand when God shows up, he's always healing things. He's always turning things that are not into, because he's just super, too supernatural for the environment. When I worship, the atmosphere changes. Well, let me ask you this. How would your situation be different if you were in heaven right now? Because that's what worship does to your environment. Well, I wouldn't feel alone. I wouldn't feel as far away from God as I do right now. Well, worship and that will change. Well, if I was in heaven, this sickness wouldn't be in my Bible. Well, worship and that will change. 
Well, well, if I was in heaven, I would know the solution to this problem. I wouldn't be as confused as I am. Well, worship and that will change because when you worship, you attract the presence of God. And when he shows up, everything changes. It says this. It says that at midnight, they were praying and singing unto God. Midnight is the darkest moment of the night. I believe that it was a prophetic picture of the most hopeless moment of the entire night. Like you would think if they were going to break us out of a prison, they were going to do it at 8 o'clock. If the church's prayers would have worked, that it would have happened by 11. But it's midnight. It's pretty much hopeless at this point. And at the most hopeless moment is the moment when their hands are lifted and they're worshiping under God. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Somebody say, hear you. That's why your worship can't be dependent on your circumstance. We, 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 we have this rut where we worship when we feel like it. Or we worship when we have something good going on in our lives. That's not worship, that's praise. You ever heard them say praise and worship? We think praise and worship is fast song, slow song. <laughs> praise is what a mighty God is. What a mighty God we Dang, y'all is really. <laughs> and then worship is to worship you. I live. It's all tempo. No, 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 no. Praise is celebrating what God has done. Worship is magnifying who he is. If you don't do anything for me, you're still God. If you don't heal my body, you're still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you don't give me this job, you're still Emmanuel. Even if you don't do anything for me, you're still great. And here's the problem. When our worship is based on our circumstance, we'll only worship when our circumstances are good. The problem with that is worship was designed to shift my circumstance. So I actually don't need my circumstance shifted when things are good. The only time I need my circumstance shifted is when things are not good, when I'm locked up in sickness or locked up in depression or setback or whatever it may be. So I have to learn, like David said, to encourage myself in the Lord. I have to learn how to worship when it does not make sense around me. I have to learn how to worship when it's Wednesday and not Sunday. I have to learn how to worship when there's no band. <laughs> Actually, the name of today's message is I really can't sing. <laughs> because sometimes we think that worship is all about singing. If I, if I have a voice and if I can sing, oh, if I could be on that platform, I'm a worshiper. No, 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 no. If you're breathing, you need worship. I don't know if this is going to go well, but the whole message is I can't sing. So let's see how this goes. Me, 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 me. Don't play anything because it's supposed to be without worship band, right? I love you, Lord. You guys know that song? And I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what? you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound. 
worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Oh, to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Oh, oh, sometimes you don't even know what to say. Oh, oh, oh. come on, can you try that with me to worship you? I live. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Then just say, Oh. my favorites said I love you Jesus I worship and adore you just want to tell you Lord I love you more than anything I love I worship and adore you, just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. If I could just explain to you. How many battles are won on your knees? And somebody in this room needs to hear this. You've tried everything else. Why not try worship? You've tried networking, you've tried to muscle it, you've tried to figure it out, and that door just seems to get thicker and thicker and thicker and more locked and more locked. How about pulling out a weapon that has the ability to tear down strongholds? How about calling on the one that is able to change hearts of stone into flesh? How about calling out to the creator of heaven and earth, the one that existed before your problem and the one that has the solution after it? I could tell you the business ideas that come through worship. If I could tell you the financial breakthroughs that come through worship, 
the estranged relationships with teenagers or parents or spouses that are mended through worship. There is something about inviting the presence of the Holy Ghost, not into this church, but into your car, into your home, into your business, into your situation. There is something about inviting God into your reality that changes things. Pastor, I'm not a singer. Neither am I. It's just, uh, I didn't grow up that way. Neither did I. It's just awkward. It's weird when I'm lifting my hands. I tell you, and church, every time I get on my knees, the devil's like, oh, you look like a fool. Oh, your underwear's showing. <laughs> am I the only one that hears that? Oh, you're a man. Men don't cry. I don't care what I look like because it's how I win my battles. This is how I get the supernatural to invade the situation that I'm in. When I am weak, that is when he is. Grab your seat. I don't have time to finish this message. So I'll just give you this verse and we'll land or this last point. And that says, when I worship, freedom's released. Freedom is released when I worship. The Bible says this, Paul and Silas were praying, but everybody's chains were loosed. It says everybody was watching to see what would happen. And when two people decided to focus on God and not on their situation, everybody's circumstance was changed. That's why I keep on saying over and over and over again, you don't have to believe what we believe at Destiny Church to belong. You don't have to have your life all fixed up. You can come in and add it. You can come in with problems and issues and all that. Just get into this atmosphere and let somebody else worship for you because when they worship, God shows up and the chains that pop off of them will pop off of There is something about being in the... I'm married to an unbeliever. What should I do? Don't leave him worship. Don't leave her worship. My teenager doesn't want to come to church. They don't love God. So what? You begin to pump worship music in your house. You begin to fill your house with the presence of God and watch chains begin to break off of every single person that dare walk into your home. There is something about the presence of God that doesn't just bring freedom and breakthrough to my life, but it brings freedom and breakthrough to every single person around me. If we would learn how to inject worship into every aspect of our lives, you would begin to see miracles in every step that you take. Father God, we're grateful that you are not a God that are galaxies away, leaving us here on earth to fend for ourselves. But you're Emmanuel. You are God with us. Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.